Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You're listening to KSL News Radio. I am your guest host, Greg Scordis, and I'm hosting today with Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Todd is a prominent uh, lawyer here in town and and has been involved in a, a kind of a difficult mediation it sounds like this morning but i think he's uh, able to join us now <laughs> i'm here and, i'm here oh good 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 how, how did it go well it's uh still going uh, okay <laughs> we'll talk about it then. thanks todd yeah so todd um I, you, you unfortunately weren't able to hear the press conference, or maybe you were only able to hear part of it. Uh, Maria Chileos just talked about some of the things that the governor talked about. But so, so let me start this first segment, segment with something that maybe um, you're not going to be 100% up to speed on. But a couple of numbers that we should know about in Utah right now, and let me just go through those real quickly. Uh, so far, Utah has tested... A million three hundred and fifty two thousand Utahns and thirteen point three percent of those tested have historically in, in, in since we started testing have had the virus. That test rate is now at twenty three point six percent. In other words, the, the number of the percentage of people who are positive for the virus has increased uh, pretty steadily and in fact just since yesterday it's it's increased one point three percent. Yeah, and I know Greg I followed these numbers really closely back in uh, March and April and even into May, and we were always under 5% positive back then, and now we're up to you know almost 25%. That's an amazing increase. And it seemed like, Todd, that we were uh, just even in the last two or three months, the governor had said, if we can keep the numbers down to 400 a day or 400 or less per day, we can open up the economy. And we were yeah. we were there. We were in the 300s, the 200s. Some days we were we were under 400 for some weeks. We were under 400 today alone. We've had twenty two hundred and forty four new new tests, new new positive tests and four deaths. So we're not even close to those numbers and, anymore. And the weekly average is over 3,400 3, a day, I think. And, you know, as a legislator, I've had people contacting me since July saying, end this shutdown, end the emergency orders. And I've said the same thing back in August and September. I said, tell me how many daily counts there were there, there will be in November, and I'll tell you what policy I'll support. But I didn't have a crystal ball, but this is exactly what I feared would happen. But but so, so the governor held a press conference today, and in anticipation of what is historically the, the, the holiday that has the highest travel, Thanksgiving, um, yeah. the most likely it is for family members to get together. He said this at this press conference today as it relates to Thanksgiving. You increase the risk when you bring people into your home that are from outside of the four walls of your house. That's just the harsh reality of what the data shows us. So bringing people in from outside your walls is going to increase the risk of you having somebody that will share with you the COVID-19 virus. When you gather, if you are gathering together, you should wear a mask. Uh, along with social distancing. The combination of both those things will help, again, minimize risk. And as you gather, the sm the smaller numbers that you have that you gather with, the safer you will be. So, Todd, what he said was, 
you're going to gather, we're going to get together, and the numbers are going to be high. And in fact, uh, after this get-together that we're going to have in four days, uh, the numbers could spike again. But he re- he relaxed uh, the in-home restrictions. In other words, and I think it was more of a, a factor of what else are you going to do, but he did relax the, the restrictions that he's had historically in this state on gatherings in the home, and I think that's just a response to the fact that we're going to get together anyway. I mean, people are going to get together on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, they are, and this is tough. I mean, if you had told me in March that we'd be dealing with this in in November for Thanksgiving, I would never have believed you. And the governor's in a tough spot because on one hand, um, he's he's got to do something. And, you know, the, the, the case counts are spiking out of control. Fortunately, although we are seeing deaths in another four today, that they're not at the same rate as like New York saw last April. Thank goodness. Uh, but of course, every life matters. But if the governor does nothing, then he gets criticized. If he does too much, he gets criticized. And that's kind of where we're at now. But, of course, families are going to want to gather for Thanksgiving. And hopefully they'll, you know, they'll keep some windows and doors open and they'll socially distance and they'll wear masks if grandma's there. I mean, I'm hoping that people will will be prudent and, and be reasonable in their approaches. Interesting number that I also heard today, Todd. Uh, Dr. Dunn was asked a question during the press conference, and she gave this stat. She said, if you're in Salt Lake County and you are having a Thanksgiving get-together and 15 or more people are invited to your home, there is a greater a greater than 50% chance that one of the people in your home has the virus. Now, that's, that's a scary number. Yeah, and that, that seems higher than – I mean – that seems higher than the numbers I've been hearing, but she's the epidemiologist and I'm, I'm the politician. So I guess we'll go with her numbers. <laughs> I mean, the, the governor probably didn't have a choice. He's got to, he's got to relax things just a little bit, but where do you think we are going with this? I mean, what, what do you, what do you think the next 90 days looks like in Utah? Did you have well, I'm, I'm afraid that now that winter season has kind of set in and, People are indoors, um, you know, with the with the heaters on. I, I'm afraid that we're probably we're probably going to see this surge continue um, at least until you know um, spring. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think that uh, what we know is when people are indoors with each other, they're spreading it more than when they're outside. You know, when it's when it's hot. So um, I, I I I hope that we'll see the numbers go down, but we may be in this. In, in this current situation until the, the, the vaccines start becoming widely available, which could be six months or more. One last thing I want you to hear, Todd, is what, what the governor said about the fact that our numbers are not changing, notwithstanding uh, the fact that he's issued this hard mask mandate. I would hope that we could have some kind of stabilization. It looks like our positivity rate maybe has dipped just a little bit, but we're certainly not out of the woods now. We put the emergency order in place uh, it will continue most all of it, except for the requirement to um, have only inside of your home uh, members of your household. Uh, we think that's a little bit of a step of intrusion into people's privacy. We're a little concerned about that. Doesn't mean the risk is any less. In fact, if anything, it may be more because of the propensity for us to gather together as families and friends during Thanksgiving holidays. So a word to the wise, again, uh, you understand. I don't think there's anybody really in the state that does not understand what we should be doing. Uh, we just hope that they do it. 
and we have laws in place on mask wearing statewide now. Uh, we have laws in place on what businesses should be doing when it comes to requiring masks in their establishment, having signage in place to make sure that that occurs. Interesting how we're going to spend the Thanksgiving holiday this weekend. When we come back after the break, uh, we're going to talk about a study that was done in BYU. Uh, Most Americans supportive of getting the COVID-19 vaccine, but a lot of people worried about the side effects. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to KSL News Radio. I'm your guest host, Greg Scordis, along with my co-host, Todd Weiler. Todd, I've had fun with you this afternoon. I hope that you and I get (laughs) to do this again sometime. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I was reluctant, or I guess I I dropped the ball a little bit, but uh, I'm supposed to read a couple of things here. And one is that take us wherever you go. Listen live and on demand and download the KSL News Radio app powered by any hour services. And text us at the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. We have had a few people chime in or leave us a voicemail on the KSL News Radio comment line at 575-7668. When we started Greg, the I show... Have that, I have that app on my phone. I use it all the time. <laughs> you would. Well, you're a lot younger than me. You know how to do these apps. <laughs> I have to have somebody show me how to do that all the time. I still haven't figured out how to go to Starbucks yet um, and pay for it with my cell phone. Somebody has to teach me that because they don't like touching money or credit cards or anything. Yeah, they don't. Anyway... Um, that reminds me of what how we sort of started the show, which was this uh, coronavirus and the this that's come out of our of our governor and uh, just setting up the weekend ahead, the the most traveled, the most uh, likely it is for people to get together and the bigger groups that we're going to have get together. And it was interesting, and I know you were in a mediation, but um, Angela Dunn, the, I think she's the state epidemiologist, uh, gave a couple of quips on her forecast for hospitalization. I want you to just listen to this. Our hospitalizations that are going to happen over the next couple of weeks are a result of our cases that have happened in the past week. So we know that our hospitalizations are only going to increase throughout this holiday season. What we're trying to do is make sure that people understand those risks and change and alter their Thanksgiving holiday plans accordingly so that we don't continuously have this surge of our hospitals needing to alter the way they care for patients with both COVID and non-COVID. It is so essential that we take this opportunity in the last several months before a vaccine becomes available to not continuously increase the burden on our healthcare capacity. I know we had to change plans in our family. My children, unfortunately for me, all live out of state. Uh, My youngest, I hadn't seen in a while, asked me to come and see her. She lives in Maine, but she's expecting a child, and I just thought the timing couldn't possibly be worse. Um, Another thing that came up with with, uh, Dr. Dunn was a question about her own plans for Thanksgiving, and after this, I'm going to put you on the spot for just a minute, Todd, and ask you what your plans are, but listen to what she had to say. Personally, I am having Thanksgiving with the three other individuals that live in my household. Um, we're ordering Thanksgiving from a local restaurant, and we're going to hang out together and, and use that time um, to have some quality time, both indoors and outdoors, um, but not... We usually have a feast with local friends um, who also don't have family in the region, um, but we're going to just do it solo this year because of COVID. Todd, what are you? how are your plans changing for this weekend we're, to what you'd normally yeah, do? We're keeping it small. We're getting COVID tested. Um, 
And interestingly, uh, all of the legislators for our interim day last Wednesday were rapid tested, either Tuesday or Wednesday. To my knowledge, everyone came up negative, um, which, again, kind of flies in the face of if you have 15 people, one of one of them it likely has COVID, but um, I'm not, I mean, that that's just one sample and it's not scientific, of course, but um, yeah, we were just on the phone with my married son and his wife last night and asked them to get COVID tests uh, today. Um, and you know, the, the fallacy with the test is you can get the test and get negative and maybe it's a false negative or the person could get exposed the next day, but we're, we're going to take reasonable steps and keeping it really small this year. And my wife's a great cook. We're not going to be together for Christmas. So this is kind of our, Christmas and Thanksgiving together. You know, it's been sad and it's been really hard not to be able to see family members. My my parents are both still alive and they're in their mid-80s and it's difficult. It's always difficult uh, or almost impossible to see them. But uh, you're an attorney and, and you've probably seen some of this. If there's any sort of silver lining to some of this uh, un- being unable to, to see each other, it's that the, our technology has gone off the charts and we're now doing a court by zoom or webex or or google uh we're doing uh, i don't know how your mediation went this this morning but it a lot zoom. of times it was on zoom yeah we're yeah. doing things like that via zoom and and so for me uh if i have court in say sandy or or the, you know summit county um i don't have to travel and i think that there may be some future in in trying to do some things via these social um, outlets, via Zoom or WebEx, so that we can save some of this travel. So we're not driving for three hours, so you can say not guilty yeah. and and get out of there. I don't know if it's if it's if you've seen some of that, but I, to me, there there's some good that's come out of this. Oh, a lot of good, and I I, I think the judges are loving the virtual hearings of course you can't do a jury trial virtually because that's the problem you know the yeah so all of our jury trials have been postponed and you're the criminal defense expert not me but but other than that you know um, i used to have to bill a client you know uh, hundreds of dollars an hour to drive down to provo and back from salt lake for maybe a half an hour hearing and now i can just set my office and click you know webex and and so it's saving clients money. I can get more work done during the day because I'm not out driving and stuck in traffic. So I love it. I, I, I've heard nothing but positive things from the judges. In fact, I have a funny story if you have a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What one judge was telling me that in the sentencing phase of a criminal case, you know, you always hear from the victims. Um, and so a, a woman who had been allegedly abused by a guy uh, she was testifying over Zoom about uh, about her victimization, and the the defendant, who was actually in jail at the time, started screaming and yelling at her, and the judge just hit mute on <laughs> on that defendant's. How about feet. we wish we and had the, that option? Right. Yeah, and the judge is like, I, I I never had this option before <laughs> to just mute a defendant who was going off on a victim. But so again, I think the judge is like this, and I think it will remain part of the. Um, part of the future court hearings, at least for non-jury trials. You did you did touch on the jury trial issue, though. And I don't know, except with one example, I think somebody did one out in the basin, uh, that we've had jury trials in Utah since February. And that creates, as you could understand, a significant problem. A, a lot of times, uh, people who are accused of crime don't mind if their case gets postponed for weeks or months or years. But if you're sitting in jail waiting for your case to be called it's an entirely yeah. different story and that's that's the problem that we're having but i do think 
I do think, Todd, that, that the courts, uh, certainly the federal courts and some of the state courts are trying to ramp up and try to figure out a way that we can get juries together, get people together in a court safe setting. Yeah. Well, it looks like we're about out of time, Greg, but thanks so much for co-hosting with me today. Take yeah, I hope we get to work together again sometime. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to KSL News Radio with Todd Weiler and Greg Scordis, and uh, thanks for joining us. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.